0: If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, welcome back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN
1: 690. Uh some news out of college football where the Big Ten says are only going to play conference football games this year. We'll get to more of that uh, a little bit later on uh, in the program. And we'll also finish our uh, movie watching. Well, or did we see it or did we not? The scoreboard continues. 25 up, 25 more to go. I'm losing on the scoreboard. No surprise. Brent Martin from here in Hoover, Alabama, on the road, really, for the first time on the show in a long, long time. Uh, and... Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. We have Mike K. joining us in just a couple of moments. Some serious business up in uh, Philadelphia this week uh, with Deshaun Jackson and then Steven Jackson jumping in. And now what uh, for Deshaun Jackson and the Philadelphia Eagles? But Austin, somebody talking on – Social
2: media? Yeah, Brent, we got somebody out. uh, Marcus Paul reaching out to us saying, next to the real NFLers, you guys have the real best jobs. Maybe even better. You don't get hit and you don't get dirty, yet you are still making the big bucks. That tweet must have been directed towards you and not me, but it's all good. I'm having fun on the show. Yes, I am.
1: Well, I think he was talking about the bucks, like Milwaukee.
2: Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, we're not really making that we're not making the Milwaukee Bucks happen, but I am a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks. So maybe you're right, Brent. Absolutely.
1: I don't. I, I chose to re- read it that way. He did capitalize bucks. So yeah. I thought maybe it was Giannis and, and the Greek freak. Maybe uh, in, instead.
2: If you want to check my tax returns, you're more than welcome to there, Marcus Paul, and you'll be surprised. But all right.
1: All right. We're going to see if this works from Alabama to Jacksonville to Philadelphia or maybe New Jersey because he's the Eagles beat writer uh, reporter for NJ.com. But, you know, him from the Jacksonville days. We welcome in Mike K. Happy summer, Mike. Hope you and the family are doing well. I am. uh, We are.
0: And it's just as warm as it probably is in Jacksonville. You know, it's a swamp area.
1: New Jersey is. But it's not as pretty. So uh, I'm doing all right. I hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, good, man. Uh, good, to, good to hear from you. And uh, thanks for taking a few minutes. We're going to get serious with this Deshaun Jackson stuff. And I know it goes to home uh, to you and your family and, and so many others across the country uh, and really all across the world, I'm sure. Uh, but before that, on a light note, how is the little guy? Because I really do appreciate you naming him after me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna go there, um he's doing well
0: uh your namesake he's uh he's growing like a weed he's you know it, for people that don't know me, I've got brown hair and brown eyes I'm full of it, as my mom would say uh he's got- bl- <laughs> he's got blue eyes and like blondish brown hair. he looks like me in the face, but sometimes i wonder i I don't know he's also a lot smarter than me already, so uh, it's very it's a very interesting dichotomy that this kid has.
1: Uh, walking around South Jersey. <laughs> That's Good awesome, stuff. man. Uh, Mike Kaye with us, Eagles uh, beat reporter for NJ.com. And obviously you guys have had your hands full with a, a super serious story uh, with Deshaun Jackson uh, and his comments, uh, anti-Semitic uh, comments, apologies, video apology. Stephen Jackson then jumped in, and we'll leave Stephen Jackson out of this for now. Uh, but obviously the Eagles were appalled in their own uh, words about what uh, Deshaun Jackson said on social media, on Instagram. Give us the scope of what's going on. You can describe this much better, and you're right on top of it. Uh, What are the feelings up there in in Philadelphia right now with Deshaun Jackson? Well, this is obviously a very polarizing topic. I I think we're in a social climate where
0: everybody wants to feel heard and everybody is seeking out information and sources of inspiration, um, you know, Deshaun quoted a a passage from a book that was attributed to Hitler. Uh, was brought to light by uh, Nation of Islam leader uh, Louis Farrakhan, and you know he listened to his his speech on Fourth of July and what he liked what he heard. Uh, maybe didn't realize the depth of of or weight of what he was hearing or the validity of it and. You know, he kind of acted on it. He also kind of doubled down, to be honest with you. Um, but he's since, you know, come back and and, and apologized twice. He's apologized to his, his owner, who is Jewish, his general manager, who is Jewish. He's uh, uh, reached out to a Philadelphia area rabbi to seek guidance and education. And I think that's really where I see an opportunity here. Austin and I have talked about this online pretty consistently regarding the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-Semitism. And I think this is an opportunity to not only educate Deshaun Jackson, but his teammates and the city of Philadelphia, who isn't as aware of anti-Semitism and of racial inequality, similarly to what we've been dealing with in the last few weeks and last few years and last few decades. I think we're at a point in, in, in our country's history where Education is the key
2: here. Mike, you know, I mean, obviously, we we are members of sports media, right? And I'm still fairly new to the game, but I kind of get the gist of it. We just have to report what we see. And a big reason why I had you on the show today is just because, I mean, you wrote a great article, you know, on NJ.com, and obviously you had a pretty powerful video, too, that I encourage everyone to check out. Um, You know, you you guys can find it on Mike K.'s uh, Twitter handle here. But how hard is it because you're jewish okay so let's not beat around the bush here being a a, a jewish man and essentially you know being attacked like you kind of were by deshaun jackson in his comments like how hard was it once you saw that video to try to remain just all right i have to report what happened i mean how emotional were you and what were your first thoughts when you saw that deshaun jackson video oh i'm sorry it wasn't a video but it was it was it was like a story first and then later he responded with his instagram video
0: apology I know this isn't going to sound like great radio or something crazy, but honestly, I was kind of numb. Um, you know, I've always been taught as a journalist to be super objective. Uh, I'm not the story. Um And so I kind of took that kind of mentally for a couple of days um, and really kind of meditated on it. We brought up my son earlier, but I'm raising a little Jewish boy in South Jersey, Philadelphia. He's going to grow up aspiring to be like athletes in Philadelphia. And, uh, I had several people, uh, both people of color and and white friends and Jewish friends, ask me what my opinion was, and eventually I just said, you know what, just for my TV days, I'm sure Brent can relate to this, I I just did a a commentary on video, and that kind of helped me find my voice. And for me, I don't share any ill will towards Deshaun Jackson. I think this is a very teachable moment, As, as I said earlier, both my parents are Holocaust education awareness advocates. And so I grew up in a household where I was learning about the Holocaust at four years old. Uh, So I'm 32 now. I've, I've got a wealth of knowledge and, you know, I believe in carrying on their mission to educate other people. And I think what's frustrating often, and I think we've talked about it a little bit is that my understanding of the Holocaust has made me an even bigger fighter for equality for, for, for all sex. I mean, all groups, um, I'm a big believer in Black Lives Matter. It's very important to me. I mean, you and I have had conversations about it. You know that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's disappointing because it's so – what Deshaun posted is so counterintuitive to not only anti-Semitism or the fight against anti-Semitism, but the Black
1: Lives Matter movement as well. So, Mike uh, K. with no, us ahead, uh, right, from uh, NJ.com, uh, Eagles beat reporter. And, of course, you know him from the Jacksonville Jaguars Day covering the Jaguars uh, for a few years as well. And we're talking about the Deshaun Jackson uh, situation this week. And and I asked this of Austin as well. You know, I come from a position uh, as a white man that I can't relate to this issue and this topic like you can, Mike, as a Jewish man. And also Black Lives Matter and what we've been discussing for the last couple of months and really longer than that when it comes to Austin uh, as a black man. But I ask him, you know, it's like we we claim and we say we our first reaction is like, oh, my gosh, what does he think? Why did he say that? You know, and and you almost want to cancel people out. And you mentioned education and we've talked about it a lot. How much like almost in hindsight, Are these kind of statements, almost this kind of ignorance, the lack of education, just a great opportunity to educate not only Deshaun Jackson, but so many other people, sports fan or non-sports fan? Well, I think you look at what Julian Edelman said today, that he wanted to go with Deshaun to
0: the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and then go to the African-American Cultural Museum right after – and then go have some burgers and have some difficult conversations. We need to have some difficult conversations. Something that I've done um, that I should have done better, a better job of previously is when George Floyd passed away, I immediately reached out to friends of color. I, I reached out to those who have perspective because I wanted to learn. I'm somebody who, you, you know, I said this earlier on another show that um, in Philly, We don't know what we don't know because we don't seek out the education uh, for stuff that doesn't really affect us. For instance, you know, I was very heavily involved in history in school, especially U.S. history. I didn't learn about Emmett Till until I was like 16. I didn't learn about uh, Black Wall Street until I watched Watchmen a few months ago. That's a problem. And I think in order to understand certain things, if you're not very well educated on the Holocaust, for instance, it's to seek that education once you learn about it or you've, or you've, you've kind of ignored it or, or misspoken about it.
2: Mike, obviously this is just bigger than, you know, you reporting on it and and being a journalist, right? I mean, we always talk about the, you know, on the show, we talk about the battle between right and wrong because we don't think it's really a black versus white issue. We think it's a right versus wrong issue. And obviously um, the things that have transpired since George Floyd, you know, and obviously all the protests and everything and teams coming forward. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of progress already. I'm not going to lie. And Brent and I, I think we both agree when we say that we see that change happening we feel that progress and it's for the better i mean how do you feel not necessarily as a journalist but actually as a jewish man where do you think that this should be talked about more you know like should espn start the day up talking about this kind of matter kind of like they did with the black lives matter or is it just you know what it is what it is and we move on and and you know we we go on the next news cycle i mean should this be a bigger deal with what deshaun jackson said number one and number two when people come into his defense like steven jackson
0: well, I, I think I should choose my words wisely because All Lives Matter does trigger a lot of folks. Yeah. because You know what I mean? But All Lives Matter won't exist until Black Lives Matter and anti-Semitism is de- debunked. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I come from. And so I think we should have a discussion amongst all groups because I think we need to educate each other on all of our differences. The, the black and Jewish community both have... Tons in common they're more actually in common than not in common if you look at both histories and so i think educating each other and not just having a one-sided conversation is the right move to do i think talking heads sometimes report things inaccurately you look at shannon sharp today on fs1 said that you know the eagles never said they were appalled about riley cooper that's factually inaccurate that was the first sentence that jeffrey Laurie put out in 2013 I mean, you were in the league at this time, and you remember the climate of this. I was just starting to cover the league at the time. And, it, you know, at the time, Chris Long even said this, and I completely agree with him. At the time, he thought that Riley uh, um, should have been cut, but then he realized that there was an, uh, an extra crash course to redemption by going into a locker room and being surrounded by black athletes and facing that head-on and learning. Um,
1: you know, you find out who's sincere and who's not when they're put in a difficult situation. Yeah, Mike Kay with us uh, from NJ.com, covers the Eagles, of course, uh, used to cover the Jacksville Jaguars as well. And listen, we have recent examples of this already. Drew Brees just a couple of months ago, and I'm not saying it's the same exact thing, but it's it's similar in terms of the reactions to it. And then the education conversations, the opportunity conversations that come about uh, with a super high profiled athlete uh, in that case drew Brees. in this case uh deshaun jackson mike uh, what's the story in philly do they think he should be punished further it sounds like you don't necessarily and i don't want to put words in your mouth mm-hmm. but i'm telling i'm taking the temperature of philly a uh, hardcore fan base now uh what do they think should should deshaun jackson face some kind of penalty from the eagles or nfl well, i think this- Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think they're split. I do think that he needs to be further punished. I think you've got him
0: surrounded by younger teammates who look up to him. He's one of the oldest players in the room. He's 33 years old. He really should know better about how he's putting out information. Even if he, let's Let's say he doesn't know about Hitler. He doesn't know about the Holocaust. When you put out an ideology that is clearly shown to be hatred towards another group of people, you should probably fact-check a little bit. And I think that kind of where everybody – they don't buy into the ignorant. And I think those folks want to see him either suspended or cut. I think from my perspective, a suspension during training camp, especially with the way training camp is set up right now, is logical. I think you should also have to face his entire team and say – you know, this is what happened, this was my logic. He said that he, his hurt, the hurt that he caused was not intentional, but he's never actually addressed what his intention was, and I think that's very concerning. But I think he needs to address that with the team. Now, there aren't Jewish players in that locker room. There are very few Jewish players in the entire league. But I think the ability to decipher what's right and what's wrong is what's at the heart of this issue. This isn't just an anti-Semitic issue. It's a human issue.
2: You know, Mike, when we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles in general, you know, I think Doug Peterson's done a a great job of building a culture in that locker room. Obviously, they've won a Super Bowl championship recently, and they're always competitive. And, and, And that stems, I think, from the head coach, and it stems on down to that great culture. When you talk about Deshaun Jackson, obviously, he's loved in the city of Philadelphia. He has history in Philadelphia. Like you said, he's one of the leaders on that team. So I guess just going forward now, you know, assuming and we'll see what the penalty is, but let's assume that Deshaun Jackson is still on the team. I mean, I don't know how to phrase it, but does this maybe even make a team more stronger? Like, for instance, when Drew Brees kind of came out and said his stuff and kind of had that come to Jesus moment, apologized for it, and then kind of switched his stance. You almost get the sense now that everyone in that locker room has kind of embraced Drew Brees, right? Because he's almost been an ambassador now for the Black Lives Matter movement and for protesting and all that stuff. You know, he's even spoke out against Donald Trump and things like that. So he's almost like a, a very key ally now. Can you foresee that with Deshaun Jackson, too? Or is this kind of a different situation? Because, like you said, there's not a lot of Jewish guys in that locker room.
0: Well, I, I, I think the silence is deafening, uh, Austin. Uh, I mean, no one's come out and said it that's currently on the roster. Former players like Chris Long and Jason Avant have acknowledged it. Uh, Zach Banner in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. You're, you, a former player, has also acknowledged it. Um, but really, nobody currently in that Eagles locker room has condemned the quotes that Deshaun Jackson has put out. Others have supported Jackson without supporting the quotes. But I think, like, this is a lesson. That's, this is why the entire team needs to be educated, because the fact that nobody has stepped up for something that's very clearly wrong. If you quote something that said Hitler says, you're probably wrong. Actually, no, you're definitely wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, unless you're doing a, a, a history project where you're on World War Two. So I, I, I think uh, the outlook here is I don't know what the right answer is. It, this is so much different than Cooper, where Cooper – was in training camp already, had to immediately talk to the fan base. It's different than Breeze, where he was called out by several other teammates. We've been told for the last several weeks that uh,
1: being silent is being complicit. Well, there's a whole lot of silence in Philadelphia right now. Mike K. with us uh, from NJ.com, covers the Eagles, Eagles beat reporter. Hey, let's ask you about an old uh, friend of ours and and uh, loved covering Malik Jackson. You get the, the privilege to do it again up in Philadelphia. Obviously got hurt a year ago, but he's with the Eagles. He recently said this in the last like 24 hours, I think it was. He says, it's unacceptable and utterly disrespectful for the owners to have set a camp start date of July 28, 2020, with no safety financial guarantee agreed upon for us as players. The backbone of this industry. Today is July 8th. We have no answers to simple questions we've been asking since the pandemic started. I'll fast forward right to the end. Respectfully, every owner is over 40 and understandable will probably not be out there with us on the field nor in the building. I ask in this moment, you see us as people, not financial burdens or roster spots. Health is wealth for both parties. Malik Jackson never shy uh, with the words, and uh, this was well said and, and tough to argue at times. How do you think this one uh, will be received by not only the Eagles but also the entire NFL? Because you got to believe a lot of players feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would argue it's probably like an eighty
0: to twenty split on supporting Jackson on, on these comments. I mean, frankly, this is a farce. How can you have employees return to a practice field? without a clear medical plan and a clear financial plan in place. That's not really, that's not how any other business works. Excuse me. And we know that the NFL isn't like any other business, but from, from a player standpoint, why am I not opting out of this? Yes. Yeah, you, you might be forfeiting millions of dollars, but it doesn't matter if you get sick and, and, and pass this on to your family or cause a death in your family or cause some other situation where you're risking the health of you and, and your loved ones. I think where Malik Jackson is coming from is, is very fair. And I think it opens up a discussion that the NFLPA and the NFL need to hammer out in the next 19, 20 days, you know, and, you know, I think this ends up going unpunished because frankly, everything
1: he said was accurate. Um, but yeah. I think it creates a broader discussion. Absolutely. And Malik Jackson will do that. But by the way, Austin, this is what we saw in Major League Baseball. You know, this was like, hey, I like the idea of this and we all want to get to a solution and we hope everything's better. But then when you had to get into the weeds about money and everything else, well, then it got very complicated and, and somewhat ugly at times. Well, here we are in the NFL. It all looked like, okay. let's hopefully we're getting better. Hopefully we'll be out of the pandemic. All signs point to a season. It sounds good. It sounds good. Well, well, now we're weeks away. And there's not enough answers for people to feel comfortable about it. And now they got to go to work. And now there's talk about withholding money for escrow and all this other stuff. It could be a, a contentious couple of weeks because the thing about it is there can be a CBA in place if people aren't uh, familiar with this. But you still, when you make amendments to that CBA, when you have things like this that allow for different language or two preseason games or no preseason games instead of four preseason games, well, all those things have to be agreed upon yeah. by the Players Association and the owners, it could get sticky the next couple of weeks across the league with owners and players. I mean, yeah,
2: the, I can definitely see a lot of back and forth right now. I think we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg in terms of players and the NFLPA going back and forth. Talking about the up-and-coming com- up season though, and I'm going to be optimistic. I hope there's football, but kind of getting lost in the shuffle, you know, the past month, past two months or so, just because there's been so much going on, not really with the world of sports, but just life in general. But Brandon Brooks, probably the biggest injury so far, the injury casualty out of of the NFL, uh, you know, obviously, Mike, you're an Eagles beat writer. I mean, what does that loss of Brandon Books, I think, a former All Pro, if I'm not mistaken, what does that do for the Eagles now going forward? And how hard is it going to be to replace such a high caliber player like that with the pandemic right now?
0: I mean, you know, he's the best right guard in football. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's debatable. I mean, it, what he does for the running game and the passing game is, is pretty incredible. This is his third major injury in less than 12 months. Or, sorry, in 12 months. Um, he's, he, he's a guy who overcame an Achilles injury in January to start week one. That's unheard of. Uh, and he played very well last year. Um, it's a huge loss. Look, they don't have a lot of experience behind that starting line. They, they're going to start Andre Dillard at left tackle replacing Jason Peters, which is already a huge question mark. Now they have to roll with a guy like Matt Pryor, who only started one game, and that was the playoff game against Seattle, where he played well. But they don't have an expensive, you know, dossier on this guy as an in-game performer. And then no one else has snap. Yeah. Like I think Nate Herberg has three snaps. So it, it's very, uh, it's very difficult to see how they're going to come
1: out of this. I can tell you for a fact they do not want to spend on a veteran to replace him. Mike K., one last thing, man. Can you send uh, uh, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz here, please? Uh, We'll give you something. We'll we'll trade Austin. We'll trade Austin. Go ahead and throw me and
0: Yanni Ngakwe in there. I think we got a deal. (laughs) Look, look, I told everybody, if you sign Nick Foles and he doesn't
1: have tight ends, it's going to be a problem, and boom. You know what I mean? It's tough. What uh, What are your thoughts on Minshew from afar? I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, And I I like how he is able to be
0: in the pocket, similar to Drew Brees, where he doesn't let his lack of height really cause him any harm. I I think he's very good in the pocket. I like his attitude. I like his leadership capabilities. I I do wonder if he he turns into a pumpkin now that there's tape out there uh i think he needs to make better decisions i know about the t- touchdown to interception ratio it looks great on paper but that was also without a lot of film on him so i'm wondering how defense is key in on him moving forward but i, I
1: look i like him i think he i think he can be an nfl starter hey austin uh when mike k and Alyssa lang were here in town at a competing tv station i didn't even like him or talk to him sure. now i have him on the radio show all the time it's crazy man right it only took yeah.
0: Austin Lane.
1: It only took Austin hey, Lane to hey, get this
2: done. It only took me, Brent. Consider me the it's, glue that brings the family back together. It's all well, good. Well,
1: not only that, but I uh, hope, hope Alyssa Lane's listening. But I like Mike K. more anyway. Name this kid out. <laughs> oh, wow. I was on to Ian's show earlier. <laughs> hey, man. Good, uh, good thoughts on all the different topics. Uh, we appreciate it. Be well. Uh, best to your family. And, and hopefully we have a football season to cover. Ditto to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Mike Kay from NJ.com, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, obviously was in Jacksonville covering the Jaguars. Does a real nice job. Uh, good to see uh, Mike doing well. And, and really good comments and background on the Deshaun Jackson uh, situation uh, this week and up close and personal in and, and a couple of different respects uh, for Mike Kay. All right, we take a timeout. When we come back, there's a lot of news breaking around college football, Power Five conferences, who they're going to play, scheduling i more and more concerned about the college football season, and we're still a long way from it. We'll give you the latest. It's next on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brett Morton in Hoover, Alabama. Got a little uh, baseball tournament, but uh, doing radio from the road, really, for the first time uh, in a long time. And we're doing it a little bit different way because of uh, COVID-19. So thanks for hanging with us. Uh, good to have Mike Kay on. In the uh, last uh, half hour, very good info and intel and uh, insight on uh, the Deshaun Jackson situation, but also the Philadelphia Eagles and even a comment or two about Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Big news around the sports world is is happening, and it has to do with college athletics. The ACC is going to push back the fall sports calendar uh, as of right now. It looks like the September 1st, uh, but maybe even the, the bigger story, the, the thing that now has – Everybody talking and, and movement starting to happen in football. The Big Ten says conference-only schedule, not only in football, but all fall sports, but obviously football being uh, the headliner there. What's that mean for not only the big schools, the Power Five schools? Because we think potentially the ACC will follow suit with that. In fact, there's some word that that will happen. Uh wonder if the SEC will. You could see a situation where the Power Five, uh, they all do that. But what does that mean for them? What does that also mean for the small school, the little guy that was getting that guarantee? South Alabama, that was coming to Gainesville. New Mexico State coming to Gainesville this year. Well, that might not no, probably won't happen. Uh, we'll see what the SEC decides to do. We're going to talk all about it in just a moment. Earlier in the show, we had a, a little movie checklist, a little scoreboard of uh, some of the top movies uh, that have been viewed, have reviewed them. And, of course, that's a sore subject for me. Not really my go-to. Uh, not in my wheelhouse. Uh, so we're keeping a score. We did 25 of them. We have 25 more to go a little bit later on uh, in the program. But Stephen wanted to jump in here on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. I don't know if he's about to tell us about his favorite movie or not, but uh, we welcome him in. What's up, Stephen?
0: Actually, I'm about to say, shame on you, Brent. I have seen every Keanu <laughs> Reeves movie that has ever been made. I've seen and Speed. I have- I mean, heck, I put a pre-order on the video game Cyberpunk 2077 because Keanu Reeves is in it.
2: Steven, one question for you, man, and this is going to be a deep track. It's going to be a deep cut. Have you seen a movie called The Scanner Darkly? Yes, I have. Wow, okay, then he's legit. Sounds good. Okay, yeah, Yeah, that's it. Go ahead.
0: Only once, but I have seen it. Okay, sounds good. But Brent me and him have something in common. He's been where I have. I'm outnumbered at home by women. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and my wife thought it was a good idea to get Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I have seen every single Disney movie on that thing at least ten times already, and I know all the songs by heart. It's kind of like It's a Small World to where the only way to get rid of the song is a bullet.
1: Uh, it's a dangerous situation for you steven thanks for the call we'll get back to some of the movie talk a little bit later on the show action sports jacks on espn uh 690 brent morton here in hoover alabama austin lane back there in jacksonville all right man here's a deal the big 10 saying conference only games What's your reaction?
2: Well, my reaction, it's good for Wisconsin because now they just have to beat Ohio State once, and they should be good to go to the college football playoff. But yeah, like that's been easy. <laughs> right? But um listen, I mean – it's, it obviously raises the red flags, right? I mean, and, and there's been things that have been put in place that are already supposed to be doing that. But now, I mean, you cancel Wisconsin, Notre Dame at Lambeau Field Brent. That's a, that's a moneymaker, man. That's a prime time game. That's a game that everyone would be talking about. And now that's gone. You know, we're talking about Michigan, Washington being canceled. Ohio State, Oregon getting canceled. Uh, Penn State, Virginia Tech. Miami, Michigan State. Iowa, Iowa State. You know, just these, These big-time games, these big money-making games now just by the wayside. And, I mean, obviously, if you're optimistic about having college football, this kind of puts a dent in that right now. You know, I mean, I think that there's steps and there's protocols, and obviously canceling the non-conference games first um, goes into effect. But then we'll see what happens from here. We'll see if other conferences start to follow suit, obviously. And it's like you mentioned, Brent. With, with these smaller schools, right, like my Murray State Racers, I, I'm not sure who they're playing this year in terms of that big opponent, but when you make $400,000, sometimes $600,000 to play that big school and travel over there, that goes a lot not only to your football program but your athletic program in general. And if you cut that money, I mean, it's going to have a trickle-down effect, and it just really makes you wonder for all those small universities out there as well.
1: Oh, and, that, and that's a huge thing. I mean, that small university thing is a big thing. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, think about uh, we'll get into this a little bit more. But if this carries into the winter, this will have a huge impact on the University of North Florida. UNF builds a lot of their budget around those guarantee games. They play an extraordinary difficult schedule in November and December to help fund their department. Uh, the, their entire department, their athletic department, and also their men's basketball program—that's a big catalyst to it. So that's what you're talking about on a football level for a lot of these other programs. This is going to be a big hit uh, for those small schools, no doubt about it. Now, I hate to say it like this because I don't agree with this. I do care about the little guy, but I think a lot of football fans, a lot of college football fans, are like, yeah, whatever, so what? They don't have money. They don't have money. I mean, let's give me my Notre Dame versus you know Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. And. That's another interesting part of this is Notre Dame, so where do they sit and Of course, most people either like Notre Dame or you don't, and so people love to, hey, Notre Dame can't play football this year if all the conferences just play conference only yeah. like people are fired up you're probably fired up about that um but uh that that won't be the case. It doesn't look like I think they with their agreement with the a c c if the ACC goes only conference games, there's talk, at least, that I'm seeing out there on social media and and in print that says that uh, there's an agreement that they'll try to help Notre Dame out with a, a bunch of games because I think they had six scheduled against the ACC to begin with. So, again, you're talking about juggling even that. I mean, it's Notre Dame. So what are we talking about in terms of dollars? I heard this today. Every Power Five school, every one of them is – more than $30 million in college football revenue, yeah. thanks to TV deals and everything. $30 million. Now, some of them are up between $50, $60, 70000000 million. Notre Dame, I think, is in the $40, $50 million category. That's what kind of money we're talking about. That is serious stuff. It's serious business, and it's a serious concern. I mean, that's where we're at right now in college football. I read some articles. I think it was uh, Pat Forty. He said... Uh, maybe the most critical three-week stretch in the history of college football coming up to determine what they do. I don't know if that's a little hyperbole, but I think it also shows what dire straits the sport could be. in. And on top of that, the other sports, the athletic programs, like we talked about yesterday with Stanford, Luke cutting 11 sports. This is going to be a catalyst for so many programs to cut bait with other sports that cost money and usually feed off the football engine. So the domino effect of this is going to be long-lasting and, and far-reaching, well beyond football. I think the other part of this, Austin, which is interesting, you mentioned some of those marquee games. I, I, I've i got a small list of them, and I think you mentioned some. Okay. Michigan, at Washington, Ohio State, Oregon, Iowa State, Iowa, uh, App State, Wisconsin, Miami, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Those are some of the... Um, non-conference games that will be scrapped. And by the way, that Wisconsin-Notre Dame game, you may have mentioned this in October, is at Lambeau Field. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what a cool game that is, right? I mean, Notre Dame uh, and Wisconsin at Lambeau Field, and we're not going to get it. But there's another part of that. How does TV replace that? You know, those are marquee TV games, whether it's for ESPN, ABC, Fox jumping in there. Uh, How will they replace it? So, uh, man, these are some big-time concerns, but not a good day, I think, for – um, a lot of folks in college football.
2: Listen, there's just, to me right now, man, there's just so much to take in. And, and I'm not going to sit here and say, well, we I saw this coming. Because, I mean, obviously, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. But now that it's official, it's like, well, geez, you know, like this is the next step. Now, now what happens after this? You know, like it's like you're waiting for the next bit of bad news and everything. And. I mean, I'm sitting here now, you know, and it just it goes to show you whether it's Stanford, you know, closing down a bunch of their athletic programs now, whether it's the conference games getting um, the non-conference games getting canceled. And we'll, we'll see where we are towards the end of the week and the next week. I'm sure we're going to have more news to report and it's probably not to be on the good side. But it just it goes to show you the importance of college football and bringing the dollars to universities. And and I know, you know, it seems like right now that for the most part, whether it's, you know, the, the states are kind of coming around and saying, all right, you know, let's go ahead and license these players names. Let's get these players paid and at least have some kind of compensation, obviously, for college football players and student athletes alike. Well, this is just a reassurance now. And let's be honest, I'm not sure where the priorities stand right now of, all right, well, let's make sure that these, these names get licensed. And by the time we talk about 2021, 2022, these athletes are going to get paid a little bit and get compensated. I'm not sure how important that stands right now with the landscape of COVID-19, but I'm just saying if you're a student athlete right now, especially a college football player, you have that in your back pocket. You can go, look what's happening right now because of no college football. Look at how much Mom- panic's going on right now.
1: Absolutely, man. And uh, here's some statements. Okay, Brett McMurphy, I talked to Miami AD uh, Blake James. He tweets this. I'm aware of the announcement made by Big Ten today. While we're disappointed to lose the opportunity to face Michigan State during the 2020 season, we will work with the ACC to best position our program for the upcoming season. Uh, Bruce Feldman, uh, he says ACC coaches have been told of a conference only games plan. Uh, as Brett McMurphy reported uh, a little bit ago, I'm told the coaches have not yet been told it's definite. ACC's tentative conference-only football plan, as they've discussed, would extend to include Notre Dame. Gosh, you almost wonder uh, would would Notre Dame landing in a conference finally happen after all this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, they've kind of they're they're so they've got a toe in the ACC, but not completely. And uh, in a weird way, they put themselves in a tough spot by by staying independent. Uh That's a, probably a different conversation. Here's the here's what I'm seeing on social media quite a bit, and I don't know if I have this reaction yet, and I want to see if you do. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks are saying, we're not going to have a college football season, are we? I don't know if I believe that yet, man. I still think there's too much money on the line. I still think there's time to create space in the calendar year for college football. You don't have to start with week zero on whatever date it is or September 5th with Eastern Washington in the swamp at Florida. You could start in the middle of October and still have a season and still play games, and maybe it's better by then. That's a lot of time in between now and then. I don't know, and things haven't got as as cleared up as I had hoped they would have back in March and now that we're sitting in July. But I just don't know if I'm as doomsday as no, we're not going to have it. To me, if you're making $50 million off college football and you're only going to play eight games instead of uh, 12 and, and you can't have everything you want, well, it's still cool to make $25 million, well, you know?
2: No, Well, no, you're, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. And listen, maybe one positive thing that can come out of this whole COVID-19 pandemic is the fact that this could put to sleep the week zero narrative because I couldn't stand that term when they invented it. <laughs> it drives me absolutely crazy. You know, it's kind of like that hot button, that fresh new thing, week zero. Stupid. Absolutely
1: stupid. It was dumb.
2: Yeah, it was dumb. So hopefully that goes away. Listen, by the way, we could sit on week zero until like January. (laughs) For sure. And and listen, I love what you're saying right now, Brent. I love your optimism. I love the sunshine and rainbows. I think we all need some of that. You know, I mean, we we have to remain optimistic because it's all we got right now. You know, we have to have a a, a little glimpse of hope. And I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here. I don't want to lead in the black parade or anything. But listen, man, I understand right now with college football, especially and even the NFL, they're going to go down kicking and screaming, right? They're going to go down until all their resources, until all their fail-safes have been covered because it is that important. You make that much money, and money rules everything. So, yeah, they're going to do their due diligence and everything in their power to try to make this work. But take the NCAA aside for a second. Let's just say with the NCAA, man, once again – If you have students on campus that are getting sick, it's so hard to justify being a quote-unquote student athlete to make those guys keep on playing college football. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot of those guys would love to do it. But if you're a president of a university, and once again, I know how much money you're going to make, and I get that. But it's just it's hard to justify the right versus wrong in that situation. And once again, to the NFL as well. Unless there is some kind of thing like a cure or some kind of vaccine that comes along, Brent. I mean, if we have 20 players in a locker room get sick at one time, that's catastrophic. You, you, you can't have a football team like that. So then what do you do? And those things are, are very plausible at this moment because we're not going to expect you know, NFL players to live in a bubble like the NBA for the next three or four months, not be with their families, not be members of society, and we're not going to expect the same thing from college football players. It's just it's too many people. It takes too many resources. So once again, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer right now, man, but all signs are pointing to – it's not looking good for the, you know, for the world of football right now.
1: I guess part of my sunshine and rainbows is, is almost in a flippant way is I know there's so much money on the line, man. Yeah. There is going to be an attempt at, at every attempt to get this in. And if that means spring football season or whatever it means and there's a domino effect for two, three years to come, I think we could see it. I, I think there's just too much money on the line. And that gets me back to my soapbox on this a little bit. And if you're just checking us out, uh, the news in the last hour is Big 10, And even some sprinkled-in reports that the ACC is likely going to conference-only games in the fall for all sports, but football obviously being the kingpin here and the one that most people are interested in. And you would think the other Power Five schools will follow. What that does is from a Notre Dame standpoint, puts them pretty much in the ACC for this upcoming season because the ACC is going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. What that does from a small program standpoint, the Eastern Washington, South Alabamas, New Mexico States, who are coming to play Florida, just for an example this year, by the way, easy schedule in Gainesville. Uh, but <laughs> those three games, those were money games for those schools. Well, they're going to lose out on a bunch of money. Those guarantee games are huge, and uh, they're not going to be able to get those paydays. So there's a huge domino effect across the sport and not just in football it will impact athletic programs like we've mentioned in the past and more recently just yesterday with stanford uh, cutting 11 other sports this is going to be opportunity time to trim budgets for ad's and and brass in uh in college athletic departments but it also gets me on my soapbox a little bit here this is something since the pandemic began i've talked about and i think we're seeing it come to fruition the greed in college football I think has reached a tipping point. I think we're here. You have to now because we didn't prepare for something like this. And I don't know if you could possibly prepare for something like this, but I don't know if they even prepared in the in the smallest of ways. Like, I don't know if there's a savings account at these places that are getting 60, 70 million dollars in a year to play football. Instead, it's no, let's go build a 50 million dollar football only facility so our kids can have more video games than your kids have. Nice loungers in the locker room and nicer than yours and up to date stuff for recruiting. Like that's what the game has become. And it's become so much like that that you'd almost rather sit in a locker room in a college power five school than you would in the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's more fun. You might never go home. Like there's so many good things in there. Yeah. so I, I think we've got to that point. Now you might as a college football fan or a fan of your school might say, hey, we need it, we need it to recruit. look at Alabama we got to catch up with them you know, look at Florida, they fell off a little bit because of their facilities. I'm just saying as a whole, somewhere along the way, college football got so greedy and so obsessed with money that here we are. And it's not just impacting this year of college football, probably years to come, and also a bunch of other sports on college campuses.
2: Fred, uh, I'm just reading right here from ESPN Cleveland as well. Um, apparently, there was a teleconference um, with some of the Big Ten co- uh, some of the Big Ten, um, I guess, ads. Gene Smith, AD of Ohio State, came out and said, and I quote, that he, I am very concerned right now, if um, the fact that there will be fall sports this year for Ohio State.
1: How about so, that? Uh, that's you, Ohio state the ohio state the buckeyes one of the premier programs in the country in a lot of different sports and we come back we'll keep this conversation up and uh we do get back to our movie scoreboard a little bit later in the program a bunch of other things to get to uh including uh mls coming back but made a powerful statement prior to the action we'll talk a little bit about it on action sports jacks on espn 690